Good morning, everybody. My name is Johnny Hauer, and I teach and coach at Lincoln North Star. And so I have to show off a little bit of my knowledge with teaching. Sean, I double-dog dare you to grab these sheets and just start passing them back. There's a, a sheet in front of you. Good sir, yes. Right there. Yes, grab that. And then just start passing, passing it around, and some of you are going to be looking at this. Just, yeah, distribute it, look at it real quickly. You probably weren't expecting to look at this when you were coming to church this morning. Let's put it up here, too, if you could. Thanks, Trina. This would be a hydration chart. So I coach, and I coach the divers. We just finished up our season. I didn't really talk about this because we're just in the pool, and they're not sweating too much. Um, still important, but I played football when I was in high school, and we had these charts posted everywhere in the locker rooms, in the athletic hallways. In the first day of practice, we would always meet with our coaches and our athletic trainers, and they would have us look at this, and we would giggle and be like, this is really weird to talk about, and now we're doing it in church, right? But as an athlete, right, we want to be in that optimal range, hydrate to dominate, and they would explain the reasons, right? We're going to be playing against teams who are having guys playing both ways, offense and defense. They have to hydrate even more because they're going to be expending way more energy. We're just playing offense or defense. I played defense. And so the goal of hydrating is you're not going to cramp up. And we would play teams, and they would cramp up in the second half, and then we would take over. And so we knew that in order to be successful, to function at our highest, we needed to be in that optimal range. And so we had to have a water bottle during the day, and in between classes we would fill it up because we had to stay connected to the source that allowed us to function properly. And that was water. Well, my junior year, um, I don't know why, but I forgot my water bottle and just forgot to stay hydrated during the day. I don't think I drank any water, maybe a chocolate milk at lunch. And I go to practice, and yeah, I was not in that optimal range. I was probably more in that dehydrated range, but junior, not really paying attention to it. Go out to practice, and it's a 90-degree August day, and it did not go well for me. Halfway through practice, I'm like, why does it look like there's two people there when there probably should only be one? And I start getting really dizzy and everything's fuzzy. And so I go up to our coach. I'm like, hey, can I go get water? And of course, a high school football coach says, no, you can drink water when you're dead. Don't worry about it. We got to finish this drill. And so I'm like, okay. And eventually I'm just like, I, I can't do this. I can't listen to him. I can't think about anything except for what? Water. And so I just walk over there and I get water and I sit down and then I can't get back up. And eventually, you know, my family comes and I had heat exhaustion. And so I had to go to the uh, Boys Town Medical Facility and get some IVs and stuff like that. And then I was out of commission for the next couple days, all because I didn't stay hydrated, I didn't stay connected to the source. And that's super cute and a fun illustration when you're talking about sports, and yet how many of us in here right now are at the Seek Medical Aid Station when it comes to our faith? Right? We have the source of life, God's Word, and yet so often, myself included, I'm neglecting it, and I'm not staying hydrated in a spiritual sense. Some of you right now are listening to this, and you're like, yeah, but Johnny, I'm at the optimal stage. On that sheet, thank you, Jonathan, in the bottom right, it says prevent hydration, and I think we have this up here too. No amount of training or acclimatization, that means you know, go out in the heat and just get used to it, can reduce the body's requirement for water. So even if you're in here and you're thinking, I'm at that optimal stage, what must you still drink and stay connected to? Water. And if you're like me, oftentimes I'll be doing it well for a while and I'm hydrated 
and I'm getting into God's word, and I'm feeling nourished and encouraged, and then I think, I got this, life's going well, and then you back off from it. And so today we're just going to talk about why we're encouraging you to get into God's word, right? I know it's Lenten season for those of you who are familiar with that, and oftentimes people give up things, but at North Point we decided we're going to take on a challenge, 40 days of reading. And so today is one of those days we're going to get into God's word and talk about how we can stay connected to God. Why should we long for God's word? How can we long for God's word? And if we decide to take on that challenge and truly get to know him through his word, what might that do to our lives? So that's the goal today. Try to encourage ourselves to get into God's word, not just once a week, but multiple times a week. So if you'll join me in prayer, we'll get into God's word in 1 Peter. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Bible, the truth that is in there, the encouragement it gives us, and the fact that we live in a country where we're able to freely come here, worship you, and read your word. I pray that the words you speak today will be clear, that it is not me trying to put my agenda out there, but this is your word, it's pure, and it has life to bring to us. And so open up our hearts to your message and help us to see what you have for us today, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 to 21. And if you don't have your Bible today, we're going to have the verses up here for you. So here we go. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 21. We're going to chunk this and spend some time talking about each of these verses. So verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Actually, if you could stay back there for a second. Thank you. So, do you realize when you walked in here this morning that we have a Savior, Jesus, who has redeemed you? Right? And redemption is one of those biblical words we throw out a lot and we just say it but don't necessarily dive into it. Redemption literally would have to deal with slaves being purchased and then allowed to be set free redeemed. They're allowed to be set free. I am a slave so often to um, the approval of others, to performance-based things, right? I want to be a great teacher, and so I want the kids to like me. If my kids do well at state, I'm doing a good job. I'm very focused on performance. And so if my kids don't do well, how does that impact me? I feel poorly about myself, right? And so There's nothing wrong with trying to perform well, right? Silver or gold, these things in our life that we think are great. Family's great. Friendships are great. Going and serving is great, but why are you doing those? Are you doing those because you've been redeemed and you know what Jesus has done for you as the spotless lamb? Are we doing that because we're trying to redeem ourselves? So many of us, myself included, I grew up um, going to St. Stephen the Martyr, a Catholic grade school, and I have friends who are Catholic and understand this message loud and clear that it's by grace alone that you are saved. But when I was growing up, it was very much, I'm going to heaven because I'm a great kid, right? I represented St. Stephen's in seventh grade and I went to Bible Bowl. We had to like memorize verses and we had to do competitions with it. I'm a good kid. I had a great score in religion class. I'm good. So I'm going to heaven. But this verse, and we can't miss this, everybody in here, we can't miss this. There's no way to redeem yourself with your good deeds, even if it seems like it's beautiful, silver and gold, right? And that's what their ancestors in the Jewish faith faith had to do. They made sacrifices all of the time, right? Sin offerings, grace offerings, all these different offerings. 
And one, I'm really glad we don't have to do that because I don't own any sheep or goats or pigeons and things like that. But they had to sacrifice lambs. So when it talks about the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, in Leviticus 16, and you can go here and check this out whenever you want in your free time, they, on the Day of Atonement, it was a very somber day, where the Jewish people would be remembering all of their sins and their shortcomings. And so the high priest would get a sacrificial lamb and a scapegoat. And the sacrificial lamb, they would slaughter, and its blood would go into the Holy of Holies, which would allow the priest to go into the presence of God. Because God's presence is so holy that we're not able to even enter into it as sinful people. And so they would sacrifice that sacrificial lamb. And then the scapegoat, they would put their hands on it and pray over the sins of the people, all the people of Israel, and then they would let that goat go, escaping, scapegoat, into the wilderness, a symbol of God's removal out of his mind of our sins. And they had to do that every year. Do we realize that's Jesus? He came down, Son of God, led a perfect life. This is the gospel message that Andy spent about four weeks on, and we're just reiterating it because it is the foundation of our Christian faith. He came down, Son of God, perfect man never sinned. And as the spotless lamb without any blemish or defect in his life, he was wrongfully put to death on the cross. That was the sacrifice. He was the sacrificial lamb. But he also carried our sins as the scapegoat. He wasn't responsible for our sins, but he took that upon himself and he carried those sins out of the sight of God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel truth. That is what we believe as Christians is that although we are sinful, and I'm probably first and foremost being sinful. Just so you don't think that the people who come up on stage have their lives together. I don't. I struggle with anger, lust, all of those things that probably many of us do. I'm imperfect, but that's not how God sees me. God sees me through the lens of what Jesus did. And so he sees a blank slate. He sees me wash white as snow because of what Jesus did. And if you leave here today and that's all you know, the rest of these verses don't really matter because that's what we have to believe as Christians. And if you believe that, the rest of these verses that we're going to look at will make a lot of sense for how we should get into God's word. So if we can go on to the next verses. <clears throat> he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. There's many people I know, and this is great being a teacher, because I get to talk to students, talk with other teachers of all sorts of faiths. And I have a handful of students who I'm like, you know, what is, what is Allah like? You know, as you, as you pursue a relationship with him. And I just want to get their input and learn and hear from their perspective. And most of them are like, I mean, he's our God, but we don't necessarily get to know him. And you can't fully know him. And most of the kids don't read the Quran or anything like that, at least at school, which that's not bashing the Muslim faith because how many of our people in this church right now get into God's word, right? So I'm not pointing at other faiths and saying, shame on them, because we need to also be making sure to get into our word. But we have a chance in God's word to actually know who we serve, to know who we love, and to remind ourselves of the truths about our faith, right? We, because of what Jesus did, have a faith and hope that stand for the all of eternity, Right? He was chosen before creation. Jesus has always been and he will be at the last times. We have a God who is enduring, who is eternal, and that's why his word is true. He never changes. Next verses. Now that you have purified yourself, so in light of that, knowing who Jesus is and being purified by his sacrifice, by his 
gospel truth. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. I thought I knew how to love people when I was younger. But if you analyze your love outside of what Christ has done, most of our love is selfishly motivated. I love people so that I can get something or I can appease them. But we can't truly love until we have accepted Jesus and know his true love. Right? He was perfect. We did nothing to deserve that sacrifice, but he chose to do that for you and for me. We need to hear that in our culture. I don't know about you, but many people I know, they don't value themselves. They don't feel like they're worth anything, and that's probably why we see so many high rates of suicide and depression and anxiety. But we, although we might struggle with that, have God's word to remind ourselves that he loves us deeply, intimately, personally. And because we know that, we can extend that love to others, right? We have the ability to extend love to others through God's living and enduring word. We talked about the enduring part, but do you believe that God's word is living? Living and active? I do, because preparing for this sermon, right, you think, I, God bless Andy, and the fact that he, by the way, is at Berean today preaching, right, and how many people are in that church, I'd be freaking out. This is hard enough as it is, full transparency. Like, I worry about this coming up here. So I'm like, this is God's word. Am I going to say something that somebody will take out of context, and then I'll get in trouble at school? I mean, there's a lot of fear, honestly, when I'm coming up here and preparing for this. But God's word is living and active, not just in my life, but in the life of Mackenzie Gordon, who sends me a text yesterday in the morning, and I get done with my five-mile run, and I'm just dying, and it was windy, and it was horrible, but I did it. And I look at my phone, and I'm like, oh, Mackenzie probably is like, hey, saw you running in the neighborhood. No, she says, I know you're preaching tomorrow, and you had mentioned you're nervous. I just wanted to pray this over you. And she sends me a Bible verse where she plugs in my name at various points and encourages me that God is going to be the one speaking. And even though I'm going to make mistakes, that's okay because God's going to work through that. And in that moment, I was like, this is perfect. Let's add this into the sermon notes. Oh my gosh. This is... But God, God is amazing, right? You can prepare. I've been preparing for a month. And then in the last two days, God just says, nope, scrap that. You need to mention what Mackenzie, and some of you don't even know Mackenzie. She's somebody who has come back to this church, and she is just living out this message. Right? God's word is living and enduring. I need to share it with others, even if they are quote-unquote hydrated. I need to share it with them. And that was so encouraging to me, and I know that many people in our congregation are doing that. You're reading God's word. You're listening to podcasts. You're doing whatever you can, squeezing in time to find God and Jesus, and then you're trying to share that with others. And so I just want to encourage you. That has an impact. Mackenzie has no idea that I was going to say this, and I can't wait to see her and thank her for that. But you all have that power because God has empowered you to do so. Because you are a new creation. You don't have to live the same way. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in anxiety all the time. You can turn to God's word, feel that sense of peace, and then share it with others. I hope that's encouraging to you, especially if you're the type of person in here who thinks, this message is nice for people who are leaders in the church or helping with the youth group or serving. We're all called to do this. Okay? So take that truth to heart. Next verse, please. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. 
Jesus is going to endure. His word will always hold true. We need to come to it. We need to search him in his word. Now, we needed to go over these verses because the crux of this message is the next verses. And it starts with, therefore. This is why we had to read the other verses because when you see therefore, what do you have to ask yourself? What is therefore, therefore? You guys are so smart. It's awesome. Okay? So, therefore, in light of God's sacrifice, Jesus' great love for you, for me, all that he's done, the fact that he is the perfect sacrifice and that he gives us the ability to love others and love them well. Therefore, we're able to rid ourselves of malice, of deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Those things can be removed. I realize you say, yeah, but I'm going to slip up from time to time. Absolutely. And then we come back to the previous verses of God loving us unconditionally and being the sacrifice. But what's our response? Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Like newborn babies. We don't have any in here, do we? No? Parks? Okay. I have a one and a half year old and I am not an expert dad, but one thing I am an expert at knowing is that when a child wants milk as an infant, it is so insane. Like, freak out, freak out, freak out, and you're like, do you want this? No, they want milk. That's all they want. It's the source of life for them. They need it. There's nothing else in the world going on. It's milk. Give me it. Please, I need it. It is the source of everything I need. Okay? If you're a mother, you probably understand that, and you're like, well, that's a really intense statement. Yes, that is the degree to which we're called to crave God's word. Like there's nothing else that matters, that that is the only thing that is going to sustain us because the truth is, it's the only thing that can sustain us. Okay? God's word is the only thing that can sustain you when you're going through a really hard day at work or when you lose a sibling or a parent. The only thing that's going to sustain you and help give you life in those moments is God's word. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you seen him work in your life? Have you seen his word, like I did even yesterday, come through in a mighty way and help encourage you? Think on those things. Think on those things and remember how powerful his word can be in your life. And let's get into his word. Let's take him and his word as truth. People need to hear this message not just in this church, and I realize we as Christians, people who have been walking this out for a while, we need to come back to this always. But I just wanted to briefly mention in my life, right, God's word is not contaminated. It's pure, right? Pure spiritual milk. The world, when you look at advertisements, when you see the different things on social media that are going to come across your way, the world has contaminated messages about you and I and how we should view ourselves. God's word is very clear. Because you were created in his image, you are valuable. Valuable so much that he would come down and die for you. Don't take that lightly, but I think about the students recently, and I talked to my wife, I'm like, I won't mention anything super specific for HIPAA purposes, but some of the students, even within the last week, who tried to commit suicide because they broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, because their identity is in their boyfriend or girlfriend, and if I get rejected, my life is over. This message can help them. What about the people like me growing up who, if I don't catch five passes in a game or if I drop one pass, I'm going to disappoint my family. My family didn't put that on me. It was self-imposed, probably like a lot of you. 
But if I fail at my job or in a sport or if I get, get a B in grad class, I'm a failure. My identity shouldn't be rooted in those things. I have tasted that the Lord is good. I know that my salvation is him and that he sees me as perfect. That needs to be what I remind myself of. So why should we long for God's word? A few things to summarize what we've looked at. Jesus paid the ultimate price to redeem us from our slavery to sin in this world. The gospel demands a response. Right? When you hear this message, you can't just be like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool, it's pretty cool. God died for us, that's cute and nice and it makes me feel good. It demands a response and if God truly did that for you and you believe it in here, it has to lead to action. We have to be committed to getting into God's word. Otherwise, we're deceiving ourselves. Also, his word not only endures for all of time, but it has living and active power in our lives to transform us. That's number two. Third, only through his living word, his living and active word, can we truly love those around us. And when we truly love those around us, people are going to be drawn in and want to know why our lives are different and will point to Jesus Christ. And lastly, with the pure spiritual milk, his word enables us to grow. And that's one of our commitments and priorities here at North Point is not for you to just come here and listen, but in a moment look at some practical steps to actually getting into God's word so that we might grow as Christians. Right? Because we don't want to just stay spiritual infants, do we? No. We want to grow. Sean's going, yeah, let's grow. But it's hard, isn't it? Because life gets busy. And so that's what we're going to talk about next. So what steps can we take? Right? If you are a Christian who's been walking it out for a while or you're somebody who's here for the first, second time and you're like, this whole thing's new to me and you're talking about Jesus and I don't really know a lot about him. No matter what stage you're at, three things that you can consider. The first is prayer. And we have Mark 11.24 here. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Disclaimer, this is not a vending machine God. Okay, I believe that God can get me that Honda Odyssey minivan that I've always wanted. And that's not me making fun of people. I want a Honda Odyssey minivan. It's awesome. I can't wait. They're so sweet. I drove to state cross country once with it. And I'm like, this is awesome. They have like built-in vacuums. Anyways. So this is not a vending machine, God. What this is saying is, for those of you in here right now who, and my wife is very much like this. Like, I, I can get up in the morning and I'll read a chapter every day. And I'm the type of person who I'm like, well, I'm a good person then. I've read my Bible a chapter a day, but I don't really think about it. My wife, on the other hand, is like, I get into it once a week, and I really, really deeply think about it. I wish I would get into it more. Pray. If it's in accordance with God's will, whatever you ask for, it will happen. So if you're in here right now and you're struggling, you're like, I, it's hard. I don't like reading. Getting into God's word is confusing. The first step has to be prayer. Praying to God, Lord, change my heart. I know that you, Jesus, are the Son of God and that you led a perfect life and you died for me. And I appreciate that and I want to get to know you more, but it's hard. Can you give me a renewed desire to get into your word, Lord? Please, I beg of you. The prayer can be as simple as that. God can work through prayer. So I encourage you, start by praying to God. Ask for him to change your heart. Ask for him to give you a desire to get into his word. Okay, Mackenzie Thomas, sending that prayer and including a Bible verse. That changed my outlook. It helped me stay a little bit more calm. I appreciated that. The second thing you can do, Bible studies or just in general, being in community. And so we have the next verse, Acts 2.42. And this is the most important verse to me personally as a Christian. I realize you could go John 3.16, Ephesians 2.8-9. through 9. 
This is the most important verse to me because I think if we don't understand that this is church, that it's not a building where you come one day a week and that makes you Christian, I think we've got the message wrong because here's what church is. The church in Acts 2.42, after Jesus ascended, right, he was resurrected and then ascended into heaven, what did the early church do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that's what's great about Andy setting this up without me knowing. We have the breaking of bread today. We're going to share a time of communion here coming up. We've read the apostles' teaching. We're reading about the words of Christ and the people that he has inspired to write the Bible. And we're praying. We're having fellowship. But if we show up once a week and we don't get connected with others, it's really hard, honestly, if you're trying to walk this faith out on your own. So I know that they have all the announcements and you have the dinner groups, and I know a lot of people get into dinner groups and then they end up hanging out with those people once, twice a month, and then being able to share scriptures. Now before you think, well, Johnny, you're just perfect and you have this all together, I'm very selfish. Why do I participate in Bible study? Because where is it at, Sean? It's my house, right? And it's honestly really easy for me to come up here and say, well, you know, I try to read God's word and like, come on, people, join a Bible study, get to a dinner group, come on, people. But why am I doing it? Because it serves me, honestly. It's at my house, we can put our son Judah down and then finish the second half of study. It's really convenient. So my encouragement to you, and I see people in the crowd who I know who no longer go to our study and it's because they have families, there's no condemnation there. But is there some way that you personally can devote yourself to fellowship? It doesn't have to be once a week. It could be once a month. That could be a starting point. But maybe you invite a couple friends over. You know a few people in church and you're like, okay, I want to get into God's word. I don't really know how, but I know a couple of my friends do. Invite them over for dinner or a game night and then be like, all right, what have you been reading in the Bible? Do you have any ideas? I tried reading the gospel and I didn't understand that. And that's a start. Right, baby steps. You don't have to show up to some person's house like mine and just be like, I'm going to walk into the basement and have this Bible study with people I don't know. Start with people you know. We want you to be comfortable. And so that means you have to get to know people here on Sunday, build a relationship with them, and then branch out. I know that can be hard, but God's word calls us to be in fellowship. I'm not going to read the word as much if I know I'm not going to have to be accountable to people. Right? If I don't have Jacob Schaefer as one of my friends here, knowing that he's teaching and going through what I'm going through, trying to be a Christian in his workplace, and I can't go to him and be like, hey, what have you been reading? Can you help encourage me? I'm struggling. This is going to be really hard, and you're probably going to burn out of this faith. We have to be in community. You can't do it alone. We need to pray about getting into God's word. We need to be in community with people who are getting into God's word. And the last thing is if you truly believe in Jesus, we have to start serving. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. If we believe in Jesus, we're called to serve. I have a friend here who is really nervous about, he's like, oh, I know God's telling me I need to get plugged in. And I tried the children's ministry and holy cow, little kids are crazy. I can't do that. I can't do that. They're just, I, God bless those people. I can't do it. I tried it. I think I'd be good with high school kids. And I'm like, yeah, you would. And he's like, but like, I don't know the Bible very well. I don't even have my life together. Like, I got to clean, clean it up before I can go and do that. And how many of us have that same thought process, right? I don't know God's word enough. I'm not equipped enough. I'm not ready enough. And yet, I can name three people off the top of my head who decided to start serving at the People City Mission 
or at youth group or fill in the blank here in this church or community. And because of that, they have to be prepared. And they are surrounded by people who are living out God's word and trying to model their life after the son of man who did not come to be served, but to serve. And so as you start to serve, you start to have to rely upon God more because like my friend said, you're not equipped enough. You're not, you're not ever going to be prepared. I don't think as a parent you can ever be like, all right, I'm ready to have a kid. Like the kid's going to come and it's like, oh my gosh, you have to learn all these things and they're pooping and peeing everywhere and it's just super traumatic. It's, it's fine. <clears throat> but these are three things. If you can come away today understanding that Jesus was a ransom for all of us and you can take that gospel truth and have it not just up here, but have it in here and be transformed as a new creation. Pray about getting into God's word. Consider joining a, a dinner group, a Bible study, something here through the church to get to know God's word more. And then consider serving so that you might rely upon him more and have to get into his word. Put yourself out there a little bit. Get out of your comfort zone. Final thing I want to share is my brother. My brother is a single dad, and he is going through a really, really tough experience right now. He will come home from work, or it might even be during work, and he'll see text messages from the mother of his child, and they're not together. And I'm praying for her, too, that her life would be changed. But there will be messages saying things like, you're a worthless piece of fill-in-the-blank. You are a terrible dad. You're the reason that my nephew is behaving poorly at school. You're a deadbeat. You don't deserve your son, things like that. And he hears those things on the daily. That's the message of the world, beating you down. And he's been trying to find a church in Omaha, and he finally is at one. He's like, I, I want to go to this group. I'm going to go to a Bible study. And he pulled up one night and then was like, nope, and he drove away. And then he called me this week, and he's like, all right, I'm going tonight. I'm going to make it happen. And he goes, and he's 20... I'm 28, he's 26, maybe? 25, 26, something younger than me. Um, but he, he went to the group, and he calls me afterwards, and he's like, yeah, I mean, they were all like 50-year-old plus dudes. But you know what? It was amazing because I shared my story, and they just listened, and then they continued to listen and didn't try to like force-feed me any scripture. It was just, you're doing a great job. You're an awesome dad. Here's what we see modeled in Scripture, and I, I think you're doing a great job. You're loving your son really well, and you're trying to get to know God. He's going to be proud to have you as a father. That's what Christ offers you. That's what church offers you and the world. A chance to be encouraged when the world is beating, beating, beating you down. We pray that this, North Point, and all the churches here in Lincoln would be strengthened by the word of God, that we might love people well and help them know that their value is not in what the world says. It's in what the word of God says, which is that you are precious, you are valuable, so much that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for you. Amen? We're moved to a time of communion, and so if you are responsible for that, come on up. But everything we heard today is why we are coming to the table here. Acts 2.42, the breaking of bread. It's a very simple thing. We don't believe here at North Point that this becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that we are in fellowship right now, and we're going to celebrate Jesus' perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He has active power in your life. And so as you come up, 
That's what we're reflecting on. You don't have to be a member of North Point, but we do ask that you be somebody who believes in that message and who has accepted Jesus. And if you don't know how you feel about that, talk to me, talk to one of the pastors here, talk to somebody, because we want to encourage you to get to know Jesus and see if he's the person for you. We believe he is. But I pray that you would, as believers, come up here and take to heart the message of his love for us, if you'll join me in praying. Heavenly Father, we have tasted and seen that you are good in our lives. We know that every time we get into your word, there's an encouragement, a challenge, and we embrace that. Through prayer, through Bible studies, through serving, through whatever you have in your, our lives, Lord, I pray that you would force us to be reliant upon you. Help us to get into your word even when it's difficult, whether it's through a podcast, the Bible app, finding time in the morning, finding time at night, Lord. We just need to connect with you. So please give us the strength. And if we don't know who this Jesus is and why he's important to us and how he's redeemed us, please, God, stir that person's heart to come and ask somebody because that message is so vital to having true joy and peace in this life, and we want that for everyone. We thank you for communion and the chance to remember you. We're excited, and we love you. In your name we pray.